Somebody say believe. You know, we've been talking about being able to believe. We've been talking about believing. Believing means to have faith in. We've got to have faith in God. How many got any in here that's got some faith in God? Amen? It's like, God, I know he can do it, but what about you? Is he going to use you to do it? So as sons and daughters of the Most High God, and that's what we are. We're children of the Most High God. Uh, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy? My daddy's God. You know, I have a biological father he's gone home to be with the Lord I have the testimony of that you know I led him to the Lord back in 1992 um, a week before he went home to be with the Lord he had liver cancer and he was diagnosed December 2nd and died May 2nd <clears throat> excuse me January February March April May December January February March April May May 2nd so it was December 2nd to May 2nd he went home to be with the Lord he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he became a believer. Are you a believer? Say, I'm a believer. And this is not just the song from years ago by the monkeys or whatever. Is it, I'm a believer. You know, it, it, we're, we're a believer. And we've been talking about just believing. Real quick, I want to do a, um, a, 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 re, uh, a review what we talked about last week because we talked about in John chapter 20 and verses 27 and 28. And it said, eight days later, the disciples were again inside the room and Thomas was with them and Jesus came and the doors having been shut and they stood in their midst and he said peace be to you and he said to Thomas place your finger here and your and see my hands and he also said take your hand and what put it into my side and he said do not continue in disbelief but be a believer but be a believer. So Thomas' faith was based on seeing. Thomas's faith was based on touching. Oh, come on, somebody. There's somebody that I could say, you know what? You know, this or that about some things within the cosmos, and they're like, if I don't believe, I don't see it, I don't believe it. And we talked a little bit about that, and we talked about Thomas's faith. And Thomas was a man that spent two and a half, three years with Jesus as a disciple. And how many of you know he saw miracles? He saw signs. He saw wonders. He saw these things happen, and yet he was still one that would say, Jesus is going to raise from the dead, but if I... I've heard about it, and you tell me he did, but I don't know if he really did until... I can touch him. And we, some people have that faith, but we want to be able to have faith like Jesus said in verse 28. He said this. He said, Thomas, he said to him, and he goes, he goes, he saw him and he said, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, because you see me now, you believe? And he said, blessed are they that do not see me and yet believe. Blessed are they that do not see me and yet believe. If you, yeah, I haven't seen Jesus in the physical. I think I've seen him in, in the spiritual. I've seen him in my mind. I've seen him in my heart. Come on, somebody. But I haven't seen him in the physical, and I don't have to see him. The Passion Translation puts it this way. He said, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. Turn to your neighbor and say, just believe. Just believe. Well, we want to talk a little bit about just believe this morning because that's what, when, when we are walking in the things of God, we need to just believe. 
We need to believe that when I decide to, to give and tithe to the church, that I believe that God's going to take care of that situation. Come on, somebody. I've had people that have said, why do you put baskets up front? Because it's biblical. Did you know that Jesus used to stand in the temple and people would bring their offerings forward? You remember the scripture that he talked about when the woman came and he was up there with the disciples and they were like, hey, look at that lady there. And she came, the woman gave her widow's might is what it's called. She gave all that she had. People were coming and giving in. So there's a biblical principle. I'm not saying it's wrong to pass the bucket, but here's what, here's what I know. Statistically, they say you raise more money if you pass a plate in front of somebody. It's proven. Then why don't we do that, Pastor? Because I'm not manipulating into anybody to give. Come on, somebody. I want you to give out of your heart. And there takes something to me when the first time I would, I would sit in a church and they would pass it by and I'd, you know, put in the plate. I've seen people go to put in the plate and there was nothing in their hand. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm not, <laughs> you're not like, oh, Pastor, were you watching that years ago? It was like, no. Here's what I'm saying is that we just have to believe God with our finances. No matter where you're at, no matter what situations, no matter what's going on, we've got to begin to believe God. Somebody say, just believe. We've got to begin to believe God. We've got to begin to have faith in God. We've got to begin to step into what God has for us, and we not want to just be able to believe. Sometimes it's not hard. We just make sometimes following Christ, Christianity, we make it hard. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do all these different things. And he says, just believe. So I want to go with you real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you on a little journey. We're going to go to John chapter 4. And I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. And we're going to talk a little bit about the, the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman. Now you have to understand at this time, if we go back, who said it? To whom was it said? Under what circumstances was it said? What did it mean to them then? And what's it mean to us now? We go back and said, who said this? This is Jesus. And he's coming to the well that Jacob had dug. And I want to share with you, this is a passion translation. I like this version of it. It's, it's, uh, see what, see what you think. John chapter four, verses one. Verse 1 through 42, actually. The news quickly reached the Jewish religious leaders, known as the Pharisees, and Jesus was drawing great crowds of followers coming to be baptized. Although Jesus himself didn't baptize, but his, his disciples did. Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the providence of Galilee. So now he's going to Galilee, and he has to pass through Samaria. Samaria. And Samaria wasn't a place where Jews would go. In other words, they were outcasts. Now you have to remember, Jews and Gentiles were separated. Hello? Even in the, even in the temple when they went to worship, they were in the outer court. They weren't allowed in the inner court. They weren't allowed. Jews and Gentiles didn't kind of mingle. And Jesus was beginning to change all that. Somebody say change it. He's got to change it. There's something that's got to happen. He's going to change it. So Jesus heard what was being said and, he, and he, had, he left for Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria. I wonder sometimes it would be like, what were you trying to do, Lord? I think he had an intention. And let's look at this was, what the intention was. Jesus arrived in the Samaritan village called Sychar, 
near the field of Jacob, and he had given to his son Joseph. Wearied by his long journey, he sat down on the edge of Jacob's well, and he sent his disciples to the village to buy food. Oh, I thought they were all broken, busted, and disgusted. Oh, he sent them to buy food. Well, think about that one for a little while. For it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. She replied, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket. (laughs) You don't even have a bucket and the well is very deep, so where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you're greater than the ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his family and his livestock or his children and his livestock? Jesus answered this to her. If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again. For when you drink the water I give you, listen to this, I love it. It becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with endless life. A gushing fountain. I mean, get that word picture. (laughs) You know what I mean? Sometimes I can feel the Holy Ghost on the inside. Are you with me? I can feel the Spirit of God. It can be a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding us with endless life. Doesn't God want us to have life? Jesus came, John 10.10, it says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Or could I say, become a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with the endless life? The woman replies to this, let me drink of that water so I'll never thirst again, and I won't have to come back here and draw water. She still didn't get it, are you with me? It was like she's thinking, okay. You know, she's thinking in the natural, and then there's some spiritual things that really are taking place. Jesus says, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times. And now you're living with a man who's not your husband. You have told the truth. (laughs) And I was like, whoo, okay. The woman changed the subject. This passion translation is that the woman changed the subject. It's like, uh, um, how many times was it, God starts dealing with you? And you're like, um, um, God, um, <clears throat> what about Shelly? <laughs> we always try to put it on somebody else. So, the, so you see this same thing that's happening. See what, what happens? Happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus was, was there at the, at the well with the Samaritan woman. Sometimes God wants to deal with something with us. And we want to change the subject. Let's not change the subject. Let's let him deal with it. If we're going to grow and we're going to mature and we're going to... The Bible says that Jesus himself grew in stature and favor with God and man. And then we, in turn, should grow in stature. Are you with me? And favor with God and 
man. So if Jesus was to grow, and here he is, God in the flesh, human, God fully human, fully man, fully God, and he grew, then we need to grow. So this woman who, check this out, because she's seeing things differently. She's seeing things that, first of all, you aren't even supposed to be here. Second of all, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and we don't mix. And you're talking about a living water that I don't know anything about. I just know that there's a well here and I came to get water. And it goes on and Jesus says, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. But in your heart, your people don't really know that the one that they worship. But we Jews worship out of our experience for it's the Jews that salvation is available. So at this time, 2,000 years ago, salvation was only available to the Jews, to the Jewish people, the Israelites. Are you with me? Somebody say, that's not fair, because it's not fair. It wasn't, but it was the way it was until Jesus. He goes, from now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of right place, but with a right heart. From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, listen, listen, but the right heart. You can worship God this morning, and we did. Wonderful job. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Love it. My wife loves to turn on worship music, and she will worship the Lord. I'll come in, and she's just worshiping, just worshiping. You can worship God in your car. You can work, come on somebody. You can worship God in your truck. You can worship God in the morning. You can worship him in the evening. You can worship him during the day. It's not about the place where you worship. It is the heart. Everybody say the heart. So it says it's not about the right place, but the right heart. For God is a spirit and he longs to have a sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. So the woman said this. This is also confusing. But I don't know the anointed one is, I know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he's having a conversation with Jesus. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. She knew enough that there was a Messiah that was going to be coming. Right, So whether she had heard that, whether she had read that, chances are she hadn't read it because she may not have been taught how to read. She was a Samaritan and, and she was, quote, lower class than, than the Israelites. If you want to put it in modern day vernacular, we can look at that. She may not have been able to read, but she heard there's a Messiah that's coming. And when this Messiah comes, he's going to tell them everything that they need to know. Jesus, check this out. He said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. <sighs> he says, I am the one you're looking for. I'm the one. Jesus identified himself first to a Gentile. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm he. I'm that. And it says, at that moment, the disciples returned, and they were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman, yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. Listen, at once, 
the woman left her water jar and ran off to the village and told everyone. Number one, she's the first evangelist. She's an evangelist. She's going to go into the town and she's going to get some people. Come on, somebody. She's got, and you know what? This is a revival. Everybody say revival. This is a revival in Samaria. We've just probably, you've probably never been packaged and given it to you that way. And you looked at it because check this out on the revival. Here's what happens with the revival. And I saw this. I was like, God, this is so amazing because there's a revival that's taking place. She meets Jesus. He tells her some things in her life, and it's the truth. She was honest with him. He was being honest with her. She's like, that's the Messiah. He's the one we've been talking about. I got to go. And she takes off. And she takes off, and she says she goes to the village and told everyone, I am not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole, that it was a woman that Jesus told, and then she told Somebody say everyone. Some of y'all got it. They got it down here. It was like, it's like, okay, it was a woman. I'm not touching that one. She goes, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything that I've done, ever done. He could be the one that we've been waiting for. Hearing this, listen, people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. You talk about a revival. Jesus is at the well. I love to picture this. And the woman's there with him. And he's having a conversation with her. Says he's the one. The disciples he had sent off to what? To go buy some food, hadn't they? So what did they do? They went to the town of Samaria and bought food. And come. And they're coming back. And all of a sudden, here he's coming. I'm wondering how he was watching the disciples and still talking to her. And watching the disciples. They're getting closer. They're getting closer. They're getting closer. I'm the one. And then the disciples show up. And then she takes off. Now think about this. <laughs> think about this. Here's the revival taking place. She goes in and tells everyone. Everyone. I met him. I met him. I think he's the one. I think he's the one. Where's he at? He's out of Jacob's well. He's at Jacob's well. We got to go to Jacob's well. Let's go to Jacob's well. Let's go. Everybody get your family, your friends, your family. And everybody go. We got to go. We got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Because he's out there. I want to show it to you, man. He's awesome. I got to tell you. He told me everything I didn't. He told me and he didn't judge me. He didn't condemn me. He didn't put me down. Come on, somebody. And it was a revival beginning to take place, but we don't see it that way. But I want you to see it that way because once you see it, you're going to say, oh, look at that revival that's taking place. So the disciples began. Here they are, the disciples thinking in the natural. There have times where they think in the spiritual and times that they're thinking in the natural, kind of like you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're talking about you in a good way because we love you. Then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some food. They brought back with them. I mean, they went to town to buy it. The thing, gee, they think you could at least eat it, right? When Jesus said, he says, they said, teacher, you must eat something. But Jesus told them this. I've eaten a meal that you don't know about. Puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss it among themselves. Did someone already bring him some food? To clarify, Jesus spoke up and he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. As the crowds were emerging from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say that the harvest is hmm, another four months away? Look, look at the people coming. It's harvest time. Their hearts are like the vast fields of ripened grain, ready for harvest. What was Jesus seeing? He was like, here we've been to different fields because, you know, they would go and glean from fields and they would get food from fields. Are you with me? 
and they would eat it as they traveled. But if the crops hadn't come up, if the grain hadn't come forth, and if it was still four months away before it would, they would produce fruit, are you with me? Then they had nothing. So he sent them to buy it. Now all of a sudden he's, they're going, well, there's no food around here. I guess we'll go buy some. Now he's going, look, here comes the food. Here comes the harvest. It's coming right now. And it says, everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. Both those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the spiritual harvest will celebrate together with great joy. That's why I love to hear stories about somebody said, I got a raise. Praise God. It's easy to, the Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice. What about when it says to weep with those who weep? Oh, we're all good with the rejoicing. Yeah, baby. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, baby. And then when something bad happens, he's like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. You know, and then we're done. But he says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. He's saying that they're spiritual seeds and these spiritual seeds are going to produce a spiritual harvest. And if you're one sowing, you're going to be blessed. If you're one reaping it, you're going to be blessed. Come on, somebody. If you're sowing, you're going to be blessed. If you reap it, you're going to be blessed. Either way, you're going to be blessed. There's just blessing. God wants to bring a blessing into your life. He wants to bring peace in the midst of it. When you begin to sow those things and he wants to begin to, to bring wisdom in the midst of it. When you sow those things, he wants to bring understanding and knowledge and revelation and all of these things he's wanting to bring into your life because whether you're sowing or whether you're reaping, he wants you to be blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I am blessed. And he's teaching this to the disciples. And he goes on and he says, this confirms saying one sows the seed and another reaps the harvest. I've sent you out to harvest the field that you haven't even planted. Is anybody eating from a field they haven't even planted? Every time you go to the grocery store, you eat from something that you haven't even planted. You didn't put them peppers. You didn't put that seed. You didn't pull those peppers. You didn't clean them. You didn't harvest them. You didn't wash them. You didn't pack them. You didn't ship them. You didn't put them in the cooler. But yet there they are, and you get upset because there's none there. Or is that pepper at? If you knew what that pepper had to go through just to get there, You'd be thankful when that pepper's there. Can I get an amen? amen? I've sent you out to harvest a field that you haven't planted where many others have labored long and hard before you. And now you are privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. Many from the Samaritan village, here's a scripture. I think I've got this to put up for you. Many from the Samaritan village became what? Believers in Jesus. Listen to this. I'm going to read it and then we'll go back. Many from the Samaritan village became believers in Jesus just because of the words, woman's testimony. So can people come be, become a believer just because of a testimony? Absolutely. Can they? Yes. Well, how do I know that? Because the Bible said she gave a testimony and people began to believe that's him. He's the one. I believe in him. That's the one. He told her these things, and he's the one. He's the one we've been talking about. We've been looking for. That's him. He's the one, and I believe. Somebody say, I believe. He said, because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I did. Then look at this. They begged Jesus to stay with them. Some of us don't even want to go to church. I might meet Jesus. We don't want to go, but yet they begged him. They're like, stay with us, stay with us. And he stayed for them for how many? Two days. Everybody say two days. 
resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his message. Let me go back. The believers, they believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Listen, church, people need your testimony. You're not bragging. Just get that thought out of your mind. That's a lie from the enemy. There's times where you're talking to somebody and somebody's like, what's up with you? I said, I don't know. I gave my heart to Christ so many years ago or last week or two days ago or 10 minutes ago. And something's changed within me. I see things differently. Look, when I was out buying and supplying and drugging and doing all sorts of stupid stuff that's stupid, back then I didn't think it was stupid. I thought it was cool. Hello? And people are experimenting all these different things. I'm here to tell you, God has a way. God's going to begin to overcome those situations and circumstances. God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny. And it might be your very testimony. It was her testimony and some believed. Somebody say, some believed. And he goes on and he said, they begged Jesus, man, to stay with them. Would you like to know what Jesus talked to them about for two days? What did he talk to them about for two days? What, what did he say to them? He basically said, look, you used to be out, but now you're in. He talked to them about the kingdom, king's dominion, God's rulership, that there are sons and daughters of the most high God. It didn't matter that they were from Samaria. Come on, somebody. I believe that he talked to them about that. I don't know. Those are one of those things that, along with the guys of Emmaus, where Jesus is talking to them for, what, four or five hours while they're walking to Emmaus, what he said to them, I want to see that. I want to see the two-day thing. I want to see what he told them for two days because listen, check this out. Here's what happened. When he talked to them for two days, the Bible says resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his message. Somebody say Jesus. The Samaritans said to the woman, oh, now we've heard him ourselves. We are no longer believing just because you told me. families, the children may believe because they've been told that's what by the parents, that's what they believe. But how many of you know they got to come into their own relationship? I can give you a testimony and you can believe and I praise God that you would believe because of my testimony, but you've got to come into your own relationship with God. Hello? You've got to come into your own relationship with God. It's more than just saying, I believe. It's, it's by really walking that out. It's allowing the fruit of the Spirit to begin to shift and change your belief system. It's allowing you to love in situations where you don't want to love. It's about joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and, and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. You know what I mean? Those different things that are there. I'm doing pretty good in some, but I'm losing it on some. <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm struggling on some of those deals. So he goes on and they were like, hey, you, you said it was him and we believed, but now we've spent time with him. Could I say it this way? In his word. We've spent time with him. We've spent time in prayer. We've spent time in meditation. We've been set time in thinking about Christ, what he's done for me at the cross, what he did to the, to the, those that were going to Emmaus, what he did when he came in and said, Thomas, look, this is, this is me. I'm it. I've risen and, and I'm, and I'm here. T touch me. Feel me. Look at me. Touch me. Put your hand in my hand and go through those things. There, there was more than just a system of belief, but it was belief in saying that I believe you even 
if I don't see you physically. Come on, somebody, because I can see the fruits of the Spirit in people's lives. And I've watched people that were murderers or, or, or adulterers or anything else that they begin to change to where they love God and they care for Him and they care for other people. And they're not who they said they were in the past because they are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the old has passed away and the new has come. Why? Because they believe in Jesus and they believe in Him and they believe in His ways and they believe in His Word and they believe that their check can be changed happen in our lives. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. The Samaritan said to the woman, now we've heard him ourselves. We no longer believe just because what you told us, but we're convinced that he really is truly the Savior of the world. There's a belief problem in the world today. Some try to tell you that Jesus is a prophet. This was a revival that was taking place in Samaria. There's revival pockets happening all over the United States. Come on, somebody. But the revival has to start with us. It's got to start within us. They, they, they realize that Jesus wasn't just for Israel. He was for everybody. Oh, did you hear what I said today? He's for everybody. No matter where you came from, no matter where you came out of, no matter what you're going into, no matter what situations you are, God is there for you. He is a good, good God. And there's good things. He wants to give good things to his children. He wants to bless you and strengthen you. He wants to take you and shape you and mold you and bring you into his image and into his likeness to where you can rise above those situations and circumstances in life. Somebody needs to give the Lord a praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it wasn't just about Jesus being for Israel. He was for every nation. He was for every tribe. He was for every person. Big, I always remember big. I think of shorty. I always remember little. I think of me, you know, big and little. Big and little. Come on, somebody. No matter where you're from, what's going on in your life, he's from every tribe, every people. He's for every tongue. And they said Jesus was the Savior, not just a teacher, not just a prophet. Come on, somebody. Who is Jesus to you in your life? We've got to just believe that he is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my King. Come on, somebody. He is my everything. He's created me, designed me, made me in his image and likeness. Every breath I take comes from him. It doesn't come from what I do or what I haven't done. You know how intricate the human body is? He created that. It didn't happen by poof, big bang. Out of mess came this intricate body? No way. You got to be stupid to believe that stuff. I'm sorry. But come on, it takes more faith to believe that baloney than it does. You've got a design and a creator. I don't know about you, but I was created in God's image. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, now he's talking about you. You were created. And you are, you're a masterpiece. Tell him, say, you're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You're individual. You're amazing. That's what we've created in his image and in his likeness. Just believe. Everybody say, just believe. Hey, where is Catherine? Tell her she can't hide no more. I want to pray for you just a moment. We're not going to leave yet. Don't leave. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that we just believe that there are people here today that they may have heard just because of a testimony, but now they've read the word and they're saying they're going to believe because you're going to touch their lives. God, I'm asking you to just have your way. Holy Spirit, move today. Touch lives. Heal, set free, deliver, shift people's mindsets. 
because we just believe that you are our King, you are our Lord, you are our Savior, you are our God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.